Good evening, good evening, good evening, good people. How's everybody doing? Happy Friday to all of you. I'm Alvin King, and this is a new episode of East Dead, East Dead, East Dead, a look at the world from a seasoned black man's perspective. Um, happy Father's Day weekend to all the fathers out there. I want to give a special shout out to all the fathers that are out there. I know a whole bunch of you that are out there, and I, you know what? If I could have all of you, all of you on the show, in these little, little frames that I, that, that you know, that I know, and how, how, and let you know how much I feel about you, I would definitely do that. But I want to give a special shout out to all the fathers out there. Um, and how's everybody doing? We got a new holiday, June 19th, Juneteenth. How about that? How about, how about we thought it was going to be next year? and they sprung it on us this year, okay? So for all these federal government employees, I know that was a shock to your system. She was so happy to be home. I, I know you was. Uh, but I hope everybody's doing very well, very well. We have a fantastic show for you tonight that I've been wanting to do for years, and I'm going to share that later. And it's our Father's Day series, and we have two incredible fathers, men, husbands, and not exactly in that order. But they are on our show tonight, and we are we are we are going to speak with them and share them with you. But before we do all that, I need to get my co-host in here tonight, and Mr. Vice Cody, come on in here with me. Vice, how you doing, man? How you doing? Hey, hey, hey! How are you? That's <laughs> we are all in the house. <laughs> we are all in the house. I know. Okay. Hey, hey everybody. <laughs> well, well, since everybody, Vice, how, how? First of all, Alvin and Jason. How are you guys doing? Great. You're doing great? Awesome. Um, I do have an introduction for you, so you have to sit through my introduction because I'm going to introduce you. I was expecting you all to be backstage for a minute, but, but you know, you know, that's showtime. Hey. Boss, how's your Welcome. day going? Thank you. How's your day, Bosch? My day has been really pretty fantastic. The weather's been beautiful. It's not been, not been too hot. Everything has been sort of flowing together in ways that I could not imagine. You know, serendipity is my favorite word. And everything's been really pretty serendipitous. I'm really excited to be here uh, because I think this show is going to be really fantastic. We have two really amazing people on. Um, but it's been good. It's been good. What's it with you, Alvin? Your birthday was this week. How was celebrating your birthday? My birthday is, it was, was this week. It was on Wednesday. It's still going on. It will be going on through the weekend. For those of you who follow me on social media, you'll probably know some of the places that I will hit or some of the things that I'm going to do. I'm, I'm not finished celebrating my birthday. And so um, I'm still in birth, birthday mode. Thank you so much for, for asking about that. But I'm going to move on to the show because we have Alvin and Jason here, ladies and gentlemen, and I just got to give you my introduction on them because these are probably the most down-to-earth, fantastic, wonderful men that I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you. So tonight, we have as our co-hosts two extraordinary men born on opposite ends of the world who actually met in 1998 and have now been married for 11 years that will share with us their journey through coming out, finding love, starting a family, raising two beautiful children. But together, they have started the Alvin O. McRae and Jason M. Rudman Scholarship at the Point Foundation that grants scholarships to LGBTQI students of color attending a community college and focused on an area of study in social justice, criminal justice, and public policy who have the vision and the determination to change the world 
for margin, marginalized communities. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the He Said, He Said, He Said platform tonight. Our special guest, Alvin McCray and Jason Rutman. How you guys doing? <laughs> Alvin, did a great job, man. Thank you for that. See, and see what the world, what family, what you all don't know. Again, these are, they are so down, they are so down to earth. And even when we were going through our interview, we were talking and going through, you know, trying to, Put the segment in place. You know, I'm calling them phenomenal. If they had it their way, they wouldn't say that. But they are phenomenal. And you all are going to find out tonight just how phenomenal they are. So thank you. Thank you both for being here. Um, it, it really means a lot to me to have you here. It does. It does. It, it really does. So I, I, I don't know if y'all ready or not. Oh, I told them backstage, ladies and gentlemen, that they're on the whole show. We, we got a couple of surprises for them. You know, I told them act like they're in their living room. We all in our living room or someplace, but 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 I just want you, you know, nothing, you know, no no pressure, but just want y'all to know that that we have you the whole night, and when we let you go, that would be it. So <laughs> let, let, let's let, let let's get this started. Now, I do want to ask you a question, though. Um, um, uh, actually, both of you, but but both of you, I was trying to figure out a way to. When I ask you this question to you know speak to our, our our viewers to let them know who you are separately, mm. even though you're together, and so I I thought well let let me just ask the question straight straight from my heart because I I want to know and I know we want to know. Let's talk about your coming out story. Can we can we talk about that a little bit? Can we talk about that? We can for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let's very we different. We want to thank you, though, however, for this opportunity. Um, the introduction was wonderful. You all have been great. We just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts because we love opportunities where we get to come together and you know share our story and also educate our audience at large where we can because we believe in what we found is something very valuable and, and it's a gem. So we like to just spread that and it's love. So I'll let Jason begin. You oh, I thought you were going to go first. Oh, you go first. <laughs> um, I love it. Well, I, I, will, I will say, um, you know, very different. But let me uh, let me also start, you know, um, for me, Alvin uh, and Vash, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm an ally because um, this is about men of color, right? And so... First and foremost, I show up as an ally, and I really, truly believe in John Lewis's words that my responsibility is to get into some good trouble on behalf of what we represent and what what I what I really believe the world is about. So that's that's where that's where I start. But, um, my coming out story: um, uh, I grew up in England. Uh, uh, my family still lives there. I uh, grew up on what at the time was the largest housing estate. They're called housing estates in England. Um, low middle income, wasn't a lot of money to go around, a um, lot of, uh, you know, and, and I grew up in a pretty inhospitable place, about 250,000 people. I was bullied as a kid. Uh, I really couldn't wait to leave. Uh, so I moved to London and uh, my coming out story is essentially, it was Boxing Day. <laughs> if anybody knows what that is, it's the know. day after Christmas Day. It's the day after Christmas Day in England and the Commonwealth. Okay. I had left home already. I was 21. Um, I, you know, I, I was, you know, while I was at home, I was trying to figure out who I was and what my role was. You know, who was going to be in the world. And as I said, I moved to London. I was in I was at university. I found a group of friends that were as diverse as the world could be. That you know, it's college people. Even back in 
you know, the uh, that was the late 80s was, uh, you know, they were they were open, uh, you know, I got treated to learning about jazz and and, uh, you know, learning about soul from a place that like didn't have it. All of that's really important because it instilled in me a confidence where I could go back home. And uh, on Boxing Day, I remember my mom was vacuuming the carpet. She liked to vacuum every single day. Oh, she must know. I must. She must know me. Okay, because okay. she the comment every carpet every single day. Um, didn't have the best relationship with my dad growing up. My mom and I are like tight. I'm a mama's boy at heart. Uh, and I just I had somebody waiting. A friend of mine was waiting in a car in a in you know outside my house because if it didn't go well, uh, the exit was going to be jump in the car, go back to London, and uh, you know I I. I just basically, you know, plucked up the courage and said, look, I've got something to tell you. And she's like, <laughs> nothing wrong. You don't have cancer. You're not going to die. Like, like, you know, that was her first reaction. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, no, it's none of that. Uh, I said, you know, ultimately I've realized that, you know, look, I'm, I'm gay. And she took a moment and she got upset. Um, but her upset was connected to the experience that she'd had with me being bullied. And she really said, she said two things. And, and then I'm going to pass it to Alvin because these are contextual, I think. The first one was, you know, I'm, what I'm really afraid, I'm not worried about who you are and who you love. I'm worried about how people are going to treat you and the opportunities you won't get because of, because of you being gay. Because again, context, this is 1998, London, not particularly hospitable, the government trying to eradicate um, this was 1991, I should say, and the uh, and the and the government trying to eradicate eradicate LGBTQI or any notion of that from education, from public discourse. So it was a pretty inhospitable time. Mm -hmm. And then number two was, and I think you'd make the best father in the world, and that's not going to happen. Oh wow! Wow! Well, I wasn't talk about irony. <laughs> right. Well, you know, her context in 1991 was there was nobody, you know, we, I didn't know anybody, like, I didn't know anybody. She wasn't seeing gay men or even, you know, yeah. lesbians at that point, right? Like having families. That was not how we were talking about LGB people at that point. I'm not even going to go TQ and I because it was LG, LGB at that point. At that point. Okay, I'm sorry. You 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 hit a nerve. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, Jason. Go ahead, Alvin. And I'm I'm going to say something after that. Something of uh, something that that you said, Jason. But Alvin. Well, well, I was. I mean, when when you said that, you know, I, one of the reasons that this show is important to me, and any show that or any platform that I have to talk about fathers and how how much respect I have for fathers, is because. My father was not a good father in my life either. And so for me to see people like you and Alvin, fathers like you and Alvin, men like you and Alvin who have kids, I don't have kids. I am just so elated to see you doing what you do. So if there's any opportunity that I can do it, I'm sorry, I, I, I will give you guys. Thank you. Give you guys a mic. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I do want to say that you know my 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 my, my you know my dad my kids granddad because that's who he is is phenomenal right so we've we've repaired we've we've made it work um, it wasn't fast but somehow we came back together that's important because, because of him actually but oh. we get into that. <laughs> I, you know, my my coming out story probably pales in comparison compared to Jason's and, and many others so I don't I don't really I don't really have a coming out story. Um, 
as a kid growing up in a small town in Pennsylvania, you know, you either thought I was, we didn't know what gay meant, but you either thought I was light or light and loafers or you didn't. Um, because basically I was a creative kid, you know, I liked music, I liked dancing, I liked all the arts, I was an actor, still an actor, you know, uh, but in that small town, my father was very prolific in my life. You know, he was, he's a, he was a business owner, he was a, a pastor of a church, but this is all through the journey of my life. But as a child, he shaped us. He had us in sports, he had us engaged in the community. Um, he was a, 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 an executive in the affirmative action, so he taught us civil rights. He taught us about how to be somebody more than anything else. And then growing up, I went off to college, then, uh, then I moved to New York. And it wasn't until like 1997 or, or, or eight, actually, I hadn't met Jason at this point. It wasn't until 1998 that I came home and my dad and my mother and I were at a restaurant. My dad said to me, uh, yeah, I heard, you know, there's a rumor. You know, you know my, somebody said you might be gay or something like that. He goes, yeah, you know, you, you never came home and said you was gay. You know, you never said that. He goes, but, you know, if you are, you know, I just, you know, you just better be the best gay you could be. You know, <laughs> super gay. You must be super gay. Just be the best gay you, you're going to be. You know, your idea, whatever it is, just be the best at it. Because I never came with my parents and said, "I'm gay. This is how it's going to be." You know, the girls stopped coming, or the you know the relationships that I had prior to Jason stopped coming, and then Jason started to come. Once he was the friend that came, then he was the oh the guy he's living with, and then the third time he's like the friend. So people starting to pick up, and I never said I'm gay. It wasn't like I was hiding anything. I just never felt the need to, you know, insult my parents' intelligence. They they know me, you know. They, 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 there was no education needed. I was going to live by example. And then, you know, 23 years later, he's still here. He's my first boyfriend, uh, the first partner I've ever had, the only part I've ever had. And, um, you know, so there wasn't really a coming out epiphany. It was just really a self-awareness of identity and how I was going to present myself. And then my journey from 28 when we met was to be how am I going to shape this into the man that I'm the man that I'm going to be? How I'm going to be? How am I going to show up as an honorable and respectful, respectable person like my dad wished for that? You know, I mean, obviously I was going to be that anyway because I was raised there and I was raised by him. But uh, you know, here we are. We evolved into this, uh, you know, into fatherhood, right? And it's just like a continuation of what I already knew as a child. So there was really no, there was never going to be a let's have this long out this thought out discussion of how we're going to be fathers or she will be fathers or I'm going to be a parent. And if you're not, we can't be together. That was never in, you know, in our, um, you know, in our ecosystem, if you will. Um, so I feel like I've just evolved into the gay, black, proud, gay, black man that I am um, really with no strings and no drama attached. So let me, okay. So let me, let, let me ask you a question and, and, and Bosch probably wanted to ask this question, but I, I got to ask it. So when you guys met, yeah, and I know you kind of briefly touched on that, right. were there discussions up front about you guys wanting to be parents or, you know, when you were, were what, what, what was that part of, of coming together about? Parenthood part? Well, well just did you talk about it or, or, or at what stage of when you were dating or, you know. Well, I mean, how did you meet, really? Oh, how do we meet? How do we meet? Oh. Yeah. The classic. I won't tell it because I was I get grilled by all my friends, and I tell this story because they look they look at their watch and then their calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they, they get home for a long while. So uh, uh, um, all right. Short story short. Uh, uh, I had uh, I had been to my best friend. Short. It's short. Okay. Yeah. Short story short. Um, <laughs> I had I easy target. Brian. Uh, I have been I have been to my best friend's wedding in Nebraska. Uh, I had a car because this had a car accident. Um, barely survived the car accident, 
was at Crunch Gym on Christopher Street, rehabbing my wrist, kid you not, on a Sunday. Um, Alvin and I are literally the only two people in the gym. Because you have to think back, this is 1998. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing rehab. <laughs> I've got like a Sony Walkman on and I'm, I, I'm listening to Biggie uh, in the sun. And I bob my head and I'm like, you know, and, and um, I look up and he's looking at me, right? Yeah. And so I ultimately, uh, you know, because I was brazen probably back then, I basically took my headphones on and was like, you know, it's it, not like what you want, but. Um, well, he's looking know. at me because I was, I just got the treadmill or whatever, pre and I was walking towards him and I was mouthing to myself, why is a person working out with an ace bandage? But basically, I couldn't hear that. Saying, so I was like, he's like, what did you, you say? What did you say? And like, because like, like, I, like, I can see you mouthing. Oh, I was just, like, yeah, I was like, and I'll that was shady. But it wasn't, but it's really weird because it was just that. And it, it just, it wasn't a. It wasn't, uh, oh, it, it was nothing more than an interaction. Right. Then we saw each other again at the gym. And, hey, man, how you doing? Like, it, was, it wasn't like, oh, let's, you know, remember, remember we, met at, we met when you put 25 cents into a 9X phone. Right. You and you had a beeper on your right. hand and you wrote the number, number, number on a piece right. of paper. Right. Right. So, so it, it, it wasn't that, that thing where, okay, here you are in the gym and, and Alvin's walking past and, you know, and, you know like, like you see on TV and you just happen to look back. And you just can't, you know, and, and Alvin looked back and then the rest was history. It wasn't like that. No, no. It, was <laughs> shame. it was none of that. There was no left involved. It was, it, was weird, it was a weird curiosity the whole time, probably for a month. Because after we left the gym, yeah. I saw him again in the gym. I was like, oh, hey, you're that, you're that guy. It was just very much that. It was very like, much that. Yeah, yeah, it was just crossing paths, and then the, the I think the penultimate moment is when I was at my apartment, lived on I lived on Charles Street in the West Village, and he um he uh, was leaving the gym, and he called and said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm making dinner with a friend. Come on over, like had dinner with us." So he came over, and you know we played. I had a piano there, so we played the piano. That was the moment. <laughs> that was the moment, though. So he knows how to play the piano, and he played Stevie on the piano, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Hang on a minute. We might need to take a relook here, right? Because it, it was great conversation. It was just a really, really, mo it was a moment. And then he walked me to the elevator and we pressed the button at the same time and got an electric shock from the elevator. It was like, so that was like, when you say there was no spark, right. that, that was, was the spark. spark. We looked at each other for longer than three seconds. Yeah, we broke the three second rule. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of like, what just happened? And we stared at him this first time. I was like, I was like oh, you know when you're weird. walking on carpet, right? Yeah. On carpet. And we, so yeah. we got one of those static shocks. Yeah, that was the spark. <laughs> well, it's Alma, Alma Gill is, is, is here with us. And she says, the best relationships don't start with the lifetime moment, but yet yours started with that stereotypical or uh, romantic spark. Yeah, it's insane because after that was weeks of me really going in saying, do what, I want what, this? Or, or, what, what is, is that? Like, what is that? And it took some other friend to say, you're, you're gay, Alvin, and you just need to be okay with that. And I think the waterworks, just like let it all go for like a half an hour of just tears of like, wow, letting a lot go. And then I was able to look at him differently and figure out this thing, right? This wow. thing called that spark. You know, you know. <laughs> I, I have I have one question, if you can answer real quick. So, at what point did you get Jason's, or did you all exchange numbers after you. you know you met and you? Because at, at what point did you exchange numbers? I, I, I just I just second, because second time. And okay, the, okay, in, okay. In the locker room. In the locker room. Well, everybody there. Okay. Like, hey, <laughs> in the village. Oh, <laughs> number. Okay, cool. Okay. I, Alvin, Calvin, Alvin advanced. I thought Jason was straight. 
from the moment I saw him, mm -hmm. even with the number exchange, because it wasn't like until he came to my apartment, because we didn't tell you when he came to the apartment and he went home that night, he called me back. And I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, I, I made it home. I was like, that's cool. He goes, I just want to tell you, I'm kind of in this relationship with, uh, with a guy. Is that okay? And I was like, ah, that's cool. I didn't, you know, that's fine. Okay. That's what he told me. And that's what he told me he was gay. Before that, I just knew because I thought he was straight and I just needed to make sure he was he was cool. It was again different. We were kids. Time we were kids. We were kids. Oh my god. My have how how times have changed. Yes, they have. Yes, yeah. they have. Okay. <laughs> my how 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 things have, have changed. Well, 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 okay. Okay. So I knew I know that there was going to be a question that come that would come up from one of the viewers. So when did they exchange numbers? Okay, but we we we've cleared that, ladies and gentlemen. So don't don't email us, you know, later on. <laughs> Right. And ask us uh, that 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 question. So I just um, want to remind everybody: you still have to have a roll of quarters in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Um, now, now to 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 the parenting piece. That again, I you know when couples meet. I mean, I don't know at what point did you guys after you met and you developed a relationship. I want to. When did you? When did that question come up or topic come up as to whether or not we should have kids? Uh, I, I, I remember, you know, just hit me just now. Remember Queer as Folk, that show? Queer as Folk? Yeah. yeah. It was an episode on Queer as Folk about marriage. And that sparked the conversation around 2007, right? And then shortly after that, we were like, oh, let's wait on that. Then kids came up in the, in the same show. We were like, oh, kids. And I'm like, yeah, I was going to have kids. We should have, yeah, we. And then we talk, you know, you know, we like, we just say, yeah, we're definitely gonna have kids. Like, well, no, you said I definitely want kids, and I said I definitely want kids too. We were still boyfriends. We weren't even married. We've been together only what six years, seven years. Uh, Two thousand seven. Do the math. Nine. Like, nine years at this point. You know, we felt like it was going to be a lifetime between us, although it wasn't. You know, you know, that was not confirmed. But we we felt strongly about it, and then you actually looked into that agency I did, I where went, you and yeah. I went and did an informal with them. Yeah. Like a round table, like a bunch of people sitting around, you know, like the new thing, like gay guys having kids. So there's like gay guys, yeah. mostly white, sitting in this room and we're sitting there together, like trying to find out well, what's the nugget, what's the takeaway besides the price point? <laughs> well, I, I think a couple of things. I think, you know, first and foremost, I believe in my soul that it's always been it was always part of my destiny to have kids whatever whatever way shape or form whether they were biological whether i was you know uncle jason and like had a really really close relationship whether it was adoption fostering like some way somehow i think both of us individually and collectively yeah. felt that that was going to be part of our journey we did uh you know i think you know we we started that you know yeah that conversation started in like i think 2007 2008 and you know, for us, we had identified that we wanted to go the surrogacy route. Uh, you know, and and that that at the time it was it was then you've got to start saving because because yeah. it was prohibitively expensive, even though the first conversation that we had. Right. And you know, so and I think there was also a you know a part of us that also wanted to see the world. So we've also been really really fortunate that we've been to the places that we wanted to go to as you know together. Um, you know, yeah. throughout, you know, throughout the world. And so I think you get to the point when you're ready, ready, right? You're really ready. I think it's, you know, we just turned 40 and we said, you know, what's this process going to be? Because we also didn't want to be changing diapers and getting up in the middle of the night at 50. Right. Right. Like that was just, that was so, so I think, you know, turning 40, you say, Hey, what, 
what, what do you what do you what do you want this next decade to be and that next decade for her, for us was fatherhood and yeah. so then begins that process because we got married we did yeah we got married on your 40th birthday well right. that i mean we lived in sin for you know 12 years before that <laughs> um, but um <laughs> i'm just saying uh we got married on your 40th yeah. um because you know at that point we actually got married in connecticut we lived in new york because it wasn't legal in new york and we felt that it was the right time right Right. Um, so, so I think the journey in our forties was we wanted fatherhood was what we wanted to accomplish yeah. together. Right. And so then you begin the process because it just you know it doesn't happen overnight. Right. Like it's it's a it's, it's a process of saving and getting mashed with a surrogate yeah. and finding an egg donor and you know and then going through that experience of you know are you going to be pregnant? If you're going to be pregnant, you know is it going to make it term? Like so we've been yeah. we've been through all of that twice. Right. So. Okay, go ahead, boss. It only took you two times. Well, we were lucky. We were, we yeah. were, we were well. Let's. We were. We well. We, when we first had the first um, transfer, we did two embryos. One of mine, one of his. And so you all know, our children. Um, we have an egg donor, uh, the, their mom, if you will, the, the donor mom. So they're siblings, uh, based off of that, coming from the same egg, if you will. Right. So we so Jason and I fertilized a batch of eggs, a bunch of eggs, a batch of eggs from this one donor. <laughs> from the one donor, right? And so we froze those. And we knew that when we were ready for the transfer, we would transfer an embryo from me and an embryo from him. The first transfer produced only one because one of the eggs vanished, vanishing twin syndrome. Um, so it, it lived for about four weeks and then it dissolved into Roman, because that's who was born. Which first. believe me, that's two kids in <laughs> one. A Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> just happened that we don't want kids. Everything. Two years later, we knew we had to balance that out. We took an embryo of the father who wasn't a Roman. Now, catch this: we never did a DNA test of who was the parent or the biological father of the first child because we didn't really want to know who was it by who, who was biologically. It was our kid, so sure. we embraced that. There were no tell signs because their mother is also biracial so we didn't want to you know we just lived in that moment for a little bit uh, and for no for no rhyme or reason it just we just felt just comfortable in that space but we knew that when we were going to have the second kid we had to see who the dna was of that father to transfer that embryo into the second surrogate now i think if you look at right so if you look at the kids right you roman kind of you know has <laughs> you know i mean it's i i think we wanted to we wanted to go through the process without it being confirmed right and i think you know if people people looking in would say it's kind of obvious right um but now, for us but for then, us we had never yeah. we had never had that we had never had that confirmed we've got he has two dads on the birth certificate Right, Eden has two dads on the birth certificate, um, but you know, again, that that process was between the IVF clinic and the lawyers to make sure, obviously, that whoever was not the father of Roman biologically was was the that was the egg that we transferred. Put, uh, we transferred to the second surrogate. Right. And Vash, we were you know blessed beyond measure because both times we we got pregnant. Yeah, wow, Th that is amazing because there are. are gay dads who try multiple multiple yeah. times yeah. to yeah. have kids so yeah. it was definitely destined for yeah. you guys to become yeah. parents yeah we understand that we, and we, we, it's yeah, a blessing it's a blessing we don't take it for granted one moment you know one moment. well what's it like to be dads 
<laughs> you want to see the below half of this conversation? <laughs> well, because Alma has a question we're going to get to in what y'all said when we talk about who combs the girl's hair. We're going to get to that. We're, we're, we're going to get to that. Yeah. What's it like to do that? Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I have to get better uh, at that, right? Uh, I know how to pull it into a good ballet bun. Right. Yep. I know how to pull into a ballet bun. Did you say a ballet bun, Jason? A ballet bun. We call that a snatchback. A snatchback. And I can do a pretty good Afro puff. Okay. okay. Another snatch. That's a snatch. But, but I mean, you know, Alvin is dedication. I mean, he he bought a, like a, a, a lifestyle, well, yeah. you know, like a head. With, with hair, and he taught himself how to braid. I would sit up in the night and watch YouTube videos and seriously get frustrated, sweating, angry, want to rip the hair off this thing, but, you know, just pers per persistence and asking cousins, you know, and, you know, with, like, what's yeah. the true technique? Like, how am I really, am I doing it right? And get invalidated. And the babysitter, babysitter. we can't forget that. <laughs> the babysitter was the first one who showed me how right. to really do cornrows, and she like, don't get frustrated, you know, breathe. I was sitting three, four hours a night watching YouTube videos. I still watch YouTube videos just to make sure that I'm doing it right. I'm not really confident, but. I have not watched the YouTube videos. <laughs> so I just want to point that yeah, out. Yeah, you know. So what is it like being felt? It is the most mm. um, grounding, mm. remarkable, trying, um, exhausting, uh, satisfying job in the world. Yeah. Wow. I have to sign that. Every word. So I, I'm, I'm going to go off script a little bit, as I often do. Okay, we've just, we're coming out of the worst pandemic that I've ever seen in my life. You know what I'm saying? And with COVID. What was it like being a parent during the last year and a half with COVID and having to parent? T teacher parent, Boy Scout parent, swim coach parent. Nurse, parent, you know, uh, it was everything society plus parent, right? Because we couldn't go anywhere. Everything had to happen indoors. We just moved as well to San Antonio. Yeah. So, I mean, Jason started a new job. So, yeah. well, so you know, you there were. was there 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 has been kind of one point one parents <laughs> with the parents because um, he's done it all, like pretty much, like you know. So my days, you know. Um, you know, my days are long. They they still are long, you know, 14, 15 hour days because, uh, you know, of where I work and who we serve. Um, and so uh, it has been, you know, these these kids have had to rely on and have been served masterfully by their uh, by daddy number one. No, uh, no, daddy, well, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, I know, and I think it is, um, I think it is, yeah, you're disciplinarian dad yeah, as well. So, um, you are, you all are making it real easy because we got a game that we want you to play tonight. Yeah. So, yeah. you all are making it real easy for us. So, I keep, keep going. I, I just you know, want to give you, I just want to forewarn you. Okay, go ahead. All right. All right. You know, I, I think that we, you know, the beauty of our relationship, we've been together for 23 years. Like, you know, you don't spend 23 years with with somebody and not know them. Yeah. Right. And so the beauty of our relationship and why we're still standing is because there have been, you know, there are ebbs and flows in every relationship where sometimes Alvin has to take the lead. And then there's times where I've got to take the lead, depending on where we are, what we're doing and what we're focused on. And so I just think we're at the point in our lives and where there's just so much unsaid that doesn't need to be said. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is 
you know, it's not, you know, there's no permission needed when it's like, I need you to do this because I'm holding down the fort over here, or I'm going to do this because I see you're doing that over there. Uh, you know, it just, you know, it, it, it has been, it's been that we've, we've learned as we've gone along in COVID. I've, um, you know, I found where I can take the time to, you know, say, you've got to, you've got to stand down and like, I need you to go away and out of the house for three hours just to kind of have a moment. Right. Um, we, we just, you know, we found our way. Yeah. We found our way. Um, the kids have been remarkably adjusted to it. Though. Yeah. I will tell you, they're so resilient. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, we've got a pool. Yeah. To the balance of what Jay said about all the work that was involved while he was working, yes, yes, it took, it took two. It wasn't all just me, obviously. Mm -hmm. Two of us to do the work of parenting during, during the pandemic. But for the sake of, for the, for the, for the, for the grace of God, we were, you know, blessed or we are blessed to have this wonderful swimming pool in the back so that the kids had an outlet every day. And we're in Texas and it's warm, it's hot. So there was no irritability. There was no, I need space. You know, the house is big. There was no, um, you know, you know, you're getting on my nerves. You know, I, I hear the stories oh, of, no, that was some of that. well, you know, that's natural. That's every day. <laughs> but there was really no um, confinement of spirit where the kids couldn't be free to be kids, even though they really couldn't go anywhere outside of the, you know, we couldn't go anywhere. So that was a blessing. So that kind of made it a lot easier when we hear of our friends in apartments in New York and just contending with the pandemic and their kids' schedules or just their kids' period and their feelings and emotions. It's a lot. But for them, they lucked out. They had a pool, so they swam the whole time. Well, and I think we had the well, and I think we had the privilege of being present. Right. Right. I think that's the that's the other thing, right? So I use the word privilege very deliberately because um, you know, we were in a position where Alvin could be home. Yes. Right? Alvin could be home. You think about, you know, you know, the single mother, you know, the two the two working families holding it down. They work on my team where, you know, the firefighters working, you know, round the clock and then the person that's working on my team is working in the day. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the world changes and you've got three kids at home because you don't have childcare, right? Yeah. We we have the privilege and the luxury of being able to navigate that in a way that is yeah. not able for you know a number of other families yeah okay okay uh, yeah. i have a question for you You just said three children no uh, exactly. sorry no 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 if somebody had three children exactly. yeah no okay. if someone had three children i was about to say because we only know of two we're not having a third right on um and so one of you stays home well, no, no, no. During the pandemic, we all are home. We so everybody's home. home. But there's a guest house portion where Jason goes to work. And because I, we just moved here, I didn't. I left my job back where we were. And so I didn't have a job. So I had to sort of, I was looking for a job at the same time in grad school at Columbia. I was just doing a lot to stay busy, but I was able to do it all from here and watch the kids. Fantastic. All right, y'all. We, we have to talk now about your foundation. We oh, may yes. get back into more of your parenting, and we're definitely going to play a game with you. So we're going to learn but, a lot but, but about on, your parenting. But hold on for a second, John, uh, Bosch, before you do that. I, the audience doesn't know, and I, I want to talk about this because this, this is very important. Go for you it. You are raising two mixed-race kids. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that experience in, the, in today's society. One presents black, African-American, the other one presents white, but they both have the same biological parent mother. Biracial. I'm biologically Edens. He's biologically Romans. Mm -hmm. So that's how they present uh, one more African American than the other. Mm -hmm. We use the term mixed race for them, so they 
understand their connection as well too okay because they present differently correct yeah so, so like, I, I, our, our kids are young gifted and black full stop period and they'll That's tell you it. that too and they will tell you that right like you know i think that what we are trying to instill in roman is that you know when he walks down the road with his sister the world will have already put her in a box. Right. They will have already gone down a mental checklist that she's this, 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 and this. Right. And he has the advantage of presenting white. And so, I mean, we've we've sat down, I've sat down with him, and we, we've talked about the Martin Luther King story, right? There's right. a book of, you know, it's like an animated book where, right. you know, I've said to him, you know, tell me, tell me, tell me about how if you were in this period, your experience will be different from your sister's. And he'll tell you that, you know, he could sit at the Woolworths counter with me and order ice cream, yeah. right? And his daddy and his sister will be on the outside looking in, right? Right. So it's our responsibility to teach both of them that they are amazing. They've, they can be anything they want to be in this right. world. Mm -hmm. And that they should fight like hell against every, any stereotype right. that anybody puts them in just because of how they present. Exactly right. So we educate them in the household. Like, um, you know, we, we make sure that he understands that um, the love begins at home. So you have to really love your sister like you love no other, because if you if you mm -hmm. let one gap in that, that's going to be enough for evil out in the world to step in and, and, and separate or make her feel some kind of way, you know, just to break it down. So it's really important that he understands his value as an older brother, but also an older brother who presents the way he presents, but is still African-American as well, too. So he has to understand that that's a, you know, that's a, that's not a, not a privilege by any means, but it's a, um, it's a responsibility. Responsibility. Yeah. And I think for her, it's about her celebrating her black girl magic. Yeah. All day long, every day, every day yeah. just, you know, um, <laughs> you know, and, and we're, if we're in a position to do it, we will give these kids access to experience anything yeah. and everything, you know, yeah. in, in, you know, in the right way. Right. It's not about, you know. <laughs> You know, she doesn't have a pony and she's not running. She's not getting an equestrian horse tomorrow. No, not it's not the material things, <laughs> but it's that. about exactly. it's about being able to give them access to the experience yeah. that makes mm -hmm. them more well-rounded and more appreciative right. of how lucky they ultimately are right. in the path that they're going to be able to walk in the world. And also important, well, and to add to that, too, it's important that she, in the environment that she's in here, as far as the school system, as far as her, 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 her environment and her social environment, it's really important that she understands who she is as a you know strong. I mean, they're kids, so we don't beat it into them. Like you're strong, you're black. It's not, but just that they that they have all the examples at home on television, through church, through spirituality, through faith. That you know who she is. It matters. You know her 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 her, 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 her complexion matters. Her beauty matters, and so that she has to really. She matters. Understand. She matters. She needs to understand that when she's out here in this world, that doesn't look like her. You know what I mean? That's well. For, I'm first of all, thank you all for for sharing it. And this is a good segue yeah. for us to talk about. Thank first that that was. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I often get emotional on my show sometimes, and I have to like get catch myself. You guys did it again. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Alvin um, Alvin O. McCray and Jason M. Rudman Scholarship uh, Foundation. Let's talk about that because right. that is one of the biggest, most extraordinary things that. I know that two men are doing right now. And let's talk about that and yeah. share with our viewers um, 
about your, your scholarship. We go back and forth on this, but you know, the, really the inception of it was last summer with so much social angst going on in the George Floyd movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, that there was something burning inside of us that we felt like we needed to do something. Jason said to me, he's like, I should take Roman to the rally. And my soul was like, I mean, to the protest. I was like, you know, as 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 forthright as that might be, and, and as right as it might even be, I just didn't really feel it was going to accomplish. Uh, you know, it, it just sat in my spirit some kind of way. Like I wanted to do something bigger than that for our for our family. You know, in that moment, yes, going to the protest for sure. But what can we do bigger? You know, what 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 can we do together? And so Jason was like, um, you know, it's my fiftieth birthday last year, and he says. Why don't we do this uh, scholarship? And that's was that was the inception of it. So, you know, from there, I'll let Jason talk about scholarship because it's really it's really his baby that I brought to it. It's her baby. Um, right. that you brought to it. It's a baby. Oh sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I feel that way, but I, I think it's ours. But it's ours uh, because you inspired me. <laughs> um, so you know, I think it. You know, what I've learned in the short amount of time that I've been on this earth is sometimes you just have to wait for the moment, and it will find you. Yes. Right. And I think that this was a moment that found us. Uh, you know, I talked at the beginning, you know, when you asked, you know, who I am, who am I? You know, uh, I'm an ally. Uh, you know, I've, I've been, you know, I've been married to the guy for 23 years. Yes, I've got paperwork that says 11, but we've been together for 23 years. Right. And so I've got this I've got this broad, diverse collection of people that are in my life that teach me every day, uh, you know, what it means to walk a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can teach people at work what it means to walk this path, but they teach me every day. And so I just, um, I think we were just angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's like, I was, uh, I can't do yeah. this word. Um, I was, you know, I, I was just angry and I was, I was disappointed and I was frustrated that for all of the advances that we made. And if I think about my life and what I can do now and what we can do now that was not promised you know, when I was like 18, um, we're in this moment where a man is essentially murdered in front of everybody yeah. and we're paralyzed and we don't know what to do about it. And we've been, you know, we've, we've donated on a small scale. Right. Uh, we've been on boards, um, you know, um, with, you know, LGBTQ right. uh, you know, focus on focus on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just was this just was the moment. Um, and you know, education got us both out of where we lived, right? Like from small town, Johnstown, PA, the path out of that was education. And from small town, Portsmouth, UK, the path out of that was education. I'm the first person to graduate in my entire family. Nobody has ever been to college before. It's not, it wasn't in the path. Right. Uh, And so education was the way. And then you know, I, I think that, you know, even within our own community, LGBTQI, we've got work to do. And so we were just incredibly purposeful. And we've got work to do on behalf of our, you know, black and brown brothers and sisters and our trans brothers and sisters. Right. And so it was that moment where, you know, social justice, you know, criminal justice, public policy, because if we don't get involved in that and we're not the change, right. the folks that have always held the power will continue right. to hold that's right. Right. That's right. So we've got to be that change. And then more importantly, it was it was important that so we, we, we essentially funded three community college scholarships of eight thousand dollars each mm-hmm. in those fields. Um, 
through the Point Foundation um, for the 2021-2022 academic year. And we said that they should all go to people of color um, who often lack the resources to get through education without, you know, help. And we wanted to be able to do that. And at least one of them should go to somebody who identifies as trans because, because then the trans, you know, then the accident, you know, the, that journey um, is, and we just wanted to do our part. Like yeah. we wanted to do, we wanted to create an opportunity that said, we see you, right. we hear you and we're here for you. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then as luck would have it, we've just got a great group of friends. And so three scholarships became four scholarships right. because we raised an additional $10,000 on top of that by just donations of people that we know and just yeah. amplifying the scholarship. And we are, what's the date today? The 18th. We're about four days away from announcing the first four recipients of the scholarship. So we know who they are, but it's embargoed. We can't say anything. We're really, really excited. And we're really excited to say that we're going to do it again. So for the 2022-23 academic year, yes. we're going to do another $25,000, another three scholarships, and we're going to continue to build that momentum and, you know, basically invite other people in to help us change the world. Yeah. Can I can I ask you, this may be a bit, a bit premature, but after you make that announcement of who the recipients are for the scholarships, uh -huh. that you come back on the he said, he said, he said show and you bring them. And we want to talk to them. We, I will open this platform for you to come on and bring those students so we can show the world, once again, what you all are doing. And here is the, the, the fruit of your labor. I would well, love I would love that if, if you guys would like to do that. I think we can. I, I yes, think we can. We can. So we'll, we'll talk. So it's funny because okay. we, we just asked the question, which is, can we set up a Zoom call? with the recipients be because what we don't want to be is the like these absent kind of like behind the wall <laughs> right, right, right. You like we you know uh I, I think we feel a sense of like engagement and involvement so we will we will take that away and I, I, we will make that happen yes for sure uh, but so, we, before we leave the subject of the scholarship we do want to thank you know if we could take this moment to thank all those who did donate all of our friends in our network you know they really came out and showed the love towards the scholarship and that's really essential that it takes a village you know, I, don't yep. think, I don't know if you said that or not, but it takes a village to really do the work that we want to do for the future of our for our children and for the and for this nation. And there's so many young, talented uh, people out there, you know, yeah. of color, of non-color, you know, it doesn't matter. But they're just they're 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 looking for that platform and that opportunity to have their voices heard. And so we feel that this is our part of, of ensuring that those voices get heard. That's going to change the future for that's going to change the future for our country. Well, tell our audience, how can they find you? God, give them the information because when I've told some people that you were coming on the show, they would like to contribute and make donations towards your scholarship. They thought it was a wonderful opportunity um, to have you on the show. So tell our viewers how, how they can find they your can go um, to The website is uh, www.rudman-mccray.com. It's Rudman-McCray.com. It is the Alvin O. McCray and Jason Rudman Scholarship, but we go by our children's last names are hyphenated, uh, Rudman McCray. So remember, www.rudman, R-U-D-M-A-N, hyphen, McCray, M-C-C-R-A-Y.com. And all the information is there for scholarship. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we can't let you, we can't let them get away right now because, I, and, and our viewers, we're going to, we see your comments and, and, and we're going to 
come come to those because some people have made some comments. But real quick, one of our viewers made a comment. Um, you're welcome, Alma. You are so welcome. Um, one of our viewers made a comment, and you guys kind of alluded to it. So we want to play a little game called Rapid Fire with, 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 with you guys. And if 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 our producer can put both Alvin and um, and Jason on on the on the screen so they we we, we can see them. So what we what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I'm going to ask you questions and each of you will point to either yourself or each or or or, or the or, or the other person, okay? Right. It's called rap, rap, rapid fire. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Eyes closed. Who's who's the pushover? <laughs> okay? Uh who's the strict one? Okay. Who's the tooth fairy? Whoa. <laughs> Who creates the best costumes for Halloween? Uh, okay. <laughs> Who changed the most diapers as, as when they were kids? Depends. Yeah. It depends. Period. Okay, it, that, that's cute. That's cute. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. Who's who would the kids say is the better cook? Well, he can make breakfast. I can't make. He makes a mean. He makes a mean waffle and egg and bacon. I can't make breakfast. My brain is not on yet. Okay, who, who has the best? Don't make me tell you again. Look, <laughs> you okay? Okay, and 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 two more questions. Who's going to cry at the kids' wedding? He cried at ours. This I one. cried. I cried at ours. <laughs> and last but not least, <laughs> who sneaks the kids candy or ice cream when the other one tells them not to do it? Uh... <laughs> Alvin and Jason, thank Don't you. Don't look at me, look at God. Don't look at me, look at God. <laughs> you can open your eyes. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you for 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 the conversation tonight. Um, and and thank. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ten minutes over tonight because oh, this conversation has been so good. We're going to go ten minutes over because we got a couple of things that we want to talk to you about. So thank you for joining. I mean, our our viewers are on here, and I mean, they are like on here and they stay here. So thank you for joining us tonight for this conversation with Jason and Alvin. They're not going anywhere, but we're going to get into what y'all said so we can answer some of you all questions to Jason and Alvin tonight. Awesome, man. That's great. <laughs> right on. Um, well, welcome to what y'all said, y'all. Jason and Alvin, first of all, thank you for being here. This show is duly named because you really are phenomenal fathers. The way that you're raising your biracial children, teaching them about society, the ways of the world, everything is really pretty amazing. So kudos to you, kudos to you. So this is what y'all said, the segment of the show, we come out to the audience and we ask you questions and we respond to the things that you've been saying. Before we start the question to all of you who are watching right now, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching this in the stream later, tell us what makes a father phenomenal? The title of our show is Phenomenal Fathers. Tell us, what makes a father phenomenal? And, and, and we, did, we did get a couple of questions because we posted this question before the, the show aired. And, and some of the comments that, 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 that we got were 
from some of the fathers that I think are exceptional as well because they knew that you were going to be on the show. Yeah. And so I was, uh, I was trying to find one, one, one question came, one answer came from um, Darren Henderson. You all know Darren yeah, Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. He have, you know, he happens to be a little bit of family, you know, going on here with me. And I just want to, I want to read his, his comment about what makes a phenomenal father and guess what guess what i did you all of course of course this is tv and it's not on my phone the way it was so we're going to answer it we're going to answer it online but darren 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 uh and i i I, i'm so sorry for don't 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 shoot the messenger um hit the producer me okay okay um but darren actually um made a comment about who of what a phenomenal father was. And so I really appreciate that, Darren. And we're going to make that public for everybody to see. And I'm going to share with Alvin and uh, and Jason as well. So, okay, we, 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 we're going to do that. I'm sorry, Bosh. Mm-hmm. No, work it, work it out. Go for it. Um, well, that's a question for us? Well, no, no, no. It's not a question for you all. Okay. I, I just, um, we just... Yeah, I, I'm. I I thought I could read his his response to that, but I can't find it. Okay, right on, right on. Okay. So I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say about what makes a father phenomenal. Um, now, why don't you guys ask answer that question, Jason? Uh, I, Alvin? Yeah, you know, I, I'm. You know, I'm old school when it comes to fatherhood. You know, I, I my dad was is still here with us. He's been the greatest, you know, example of first of all, manhood, you know, and uh, fatherhood that I couldn't, I could ever ask for. I blessed beyond measure. So, you know, it all goes to the old saying, any guy can make a kid, like any guy could be what, a, a dad, but it takes a, spe- a special person to be a, a father. And I think that's because, you know, that there's communication, there's listening, there's, you know, uh, reducing yourself in order to attend to their needs. You know, there's uh, it's selfless, you know, there's no, it, you know, you lose, you lose, you can lose your identity. Your identity and fatherhood, because it's that important that you show up uh, for your children. So that's what makes a father phenomenal to me—a man who can who can lose himself for the goodness of his children, and that means he shows up when he doesn't want to show up. He gets his fingernails painted pink when she wants to paint fingernails. He's in the front row at the dance recital. He's doing her hair. You know those types of things. That's what makes a father phenomenal in my in my opinion. Yes. Wow. Um, I okay. I, I can't agree with you more. I really was trying to find uh, this this script, but I'm 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 going to move on, and I am going to say, the, um, I, I it, it we, we get delays when people post questions, and so that that's part of what we when they when they post questions, we don't see them as quickly as we want to, and of course we have to move on with, with, with the show. But um, we, we will post their comments uh, later on so Alvin and Jason and everyone else can, can, can see them um, uh, uh, later on. So um, if, if, if we can, um, while, while we still have you, we have a question that, that or um, a segment of the show that, that, that we call the pop-up. And in the pop-up, we just really talk about current events. Now, I'm not trying to put you guys on the spot, but I just want to share with you something that's happening, being that you are parents. Mm-hmm. I want to see how, how you feel about it. Um, uh, back on uh, May the 25th, a gentleman by the name of Tanner Cross, he's an elementary school teacher, a physical education teacher in Virginia, and he was placed on leave after an explosive speech with the, um, actually with the school board, um, 
saying that he that he wouldn't affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa. He went on to say, and his words, my name is Tanner Cross. I am speaking out, out of love for those who are suffering from gender uh, dysphoria. That This is what he said in his speech. It's not my intention to hurt anyone, but there are certain truths that we must face when ready. We condemn school policies that would damage children's damage children, defile the holy and defile the holy image of God. I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child, it's, ab it's abuse to a child and it's sinning against our God. And just to add on to, to that, he was um, actually expelled, the, the principal of his school um, expelled, not expelled him, but um, put him on leave. And he took it to court, exercising his constitutional rights. And the Virginia court said that he could be reinstated back in school. And now the school board are taking it to the Supreme Court. And, you know, I have my personal um, feelings on it just because you're a school teacher and there are, you know, you are a school teacher. And at some point, even if you don't feel you, putting your beliefs into something that goes against what you do or expected to do in your job, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it, it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel like it, it, it just doesn't feel right. It feels like discrimination to me. That's what it feels like to me. Mm -hmm. It's just another form of discrimination. And again, not putting Alvin and Jason on the spot because they are parents. But yeah. I, you know, I just want to, you know, if there was an opinion that you had on this situation right now, you yeah. know, I want you to share it with us if you could. Okay. Uh, he has a right to hold his views. Let's just start there. Right. Uh, might not agree with them. Um, he has a right. Um, that also, but that doesn't mean that he has a right to tell people what they can't do and what they can be. And I think that um, you can exercise your free speech rights wherever, but the very notion of him turning up as an educator and saying, you know, it's this and not this, yeah. is not about creating spaces where ultimately we create a sense of equity mm -hmm. uh, for everybody. I and mean, it's about equity and inclusion. So look, for me, um, I think you're right, uh, you know, Alvin, on some regard, I think there, you know, we shouldn't, you know, for me, growing up, you know, in England, uh, this whole kind of, you know, church and state and the intersection of, you know, religion in school, it was never really a, you know, never really a big thing. I, I think that, again, as an educator, your responsibility is to open the doors to everybody, regardless of, uh, you know, how somebody identifies and create a true sense of equity in that space, especially when the world around us, we're challenged to do that in, you know, in every part of, of what we do. I think school should be one of those open spaces where people show up and are uh, comfortable and able to be who they who they are. Yeah. You actually put a, a, a sweeter pill in my mouth, Jason. Thank mm -hmm. you, because I, I have been having issues since May 25th, since all of this started. And uh, I th thank you for your POV. I, yeah. I, 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 it is it is. Yeah, I, I needed to hear that. Yeah, I think the true work in this along the lines of that, the, the, the true work for 
anyone is, I think the guy Taylor just needs to get given the job, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's plenty of other jobs, right? Um, or there's plenty of other places you can go teach where you may not come across someone who's different than who you are. Because essentially, it's just dealing with someone who's different than you. You don't have to live, you know, we're trying to establish empathy in our roles as not only parents, but as teachers, as providers. Um, we're not asking you to feel everything that I feel, but we're asking you to understand or try to understand what I, my journey and what I may be going through. So for the transgender community who want to play sports, because this has been a topic du jour, you know, uh, schools not letting transgender athletes play. I said, I think the real work comes when we get together and we, we create a blueprint for how we can make space for the transgender athletes to play and perform because telling them they can't play is not an option. It's like telling them not to breathe. It's like telling them not to be human. So I think what we need to start talking about is how we take, you know, how we uh, how we carve out the space for our tra transgender community when it comes to sports. Uh, you know, I have solutions. I've I've daydreamed solutions all day long. You know, and I think you know I would love to share them, but um, that's the only way we're going to get through this because we can't tell them no. You just cannot say no. You can't play. I I yeah. <sighs> They told African Americans no forever. They told black folks no forever, forever, ever. We had to guess what? Start our own National Negro Baseball League. We start our own this, start our own that. Guess what? Community come together, create spaces where you, you we're going to eventually create leagues for our trans our, our transgender community. Eventually, because there'll be enough of them, enough of us who enough transgender people to support the leagues, right? But for now. For now, like I was reading a story about a woman playing basketball, a transgender man, who trans, um, male, male to female, um, great height, you know, like six two, towering over everyone else, and the issue was taken up by everyone on Facebook. But it seemed like the girls she was playing basketball with and against didn't mind. They were they weren't at odds to it because you know why they gave the person space. And someone was like, "What well, if this person scores like twenty more dunks?" Then set rules. You know, there's set guidelines, you know, create the space, stop relying on, you know, old ways and stop relying on how we do things, you know, create new space. It can be done. It can be done. Well, be well, done. thank you. Well, thank you. Um, again, I'm going to leave it right because there's really nothing to say after that, because again, you have changed my whole outlook on it. And, uh, and thank you, Alvin, for your POV as well. And, but, but, and before we go on, uh, Darren did send in that um, that that comment about what 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 makes it. Did you want to read that, Vosh? No, go for it. Um, he said, "Being a dad was a dream. Being a gay black man, not an easy dream, but one my husband and I achieved. It is not easy by no means. It's hard. It's hard many days, but equally rewarding. I know that in the end, we will have helped to create a a phenomenal individual, our son." that will make a difference in multiple ways. I hope to give our son a further uh, elevation, elevation and exposure in life. The greatest gift my father gave me, second to his love from which is the root of it all. Thank you, Darren, for first of all, sending it in when, when I couldn't find it. I really appreciate it. Thank you for adding that um, to, to, to our platform. So um, with that being said, with that being said, um, we're going to go to the wrap up because we, we're going to end the show. But Alvin and Jason, don't leave. But thank you so much. 
for being here and sharing with us tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to call you phenomenal until the end of the uh, end of time. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just. I'm just. I'm just going to do that because that's what I think you are. So, You're human, man. Doing the work. We're just doing our part, man. I, I appreciate you. So thank you. Thank 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 you so much. So um, we're going to go to um, we're going to uh, wrap up uh, for for the evening. And Vosh, you want to take it away? Well, um, we are. On social media, we hope that you will find us. We are on Instagram and Facebook, as he said, he said, he said live. So please make sure uh, you submit questions, comments, show topics to us there. We want to make sure that you guys know that next week, the 25th, we are not going to be on the air because we are going to be celebrating the NNPA virtual conference. And I want to just give you guys a little bit of background on NNPA. So back in 1827, a group of prominent free African-Americans met in New York City at the home of Boston Crummel. They met to discuss ways to streamline communication about the issues that confronted their various communities. So at that time, Black citizens didn't really have access to newspapers. And those newspapers they had access to were often used to fight against their actual causes. So during that meeting in 1827, the decision was made to start the first newspaper published by Black Americans. The newspaper was called Freedom's Journal. And some of the first words that appeared in Freedom's Journal was, too long have others spoken for us. We wish to plead our own cause. And they have not stopped. Over the years, the number of black newspapers grew. And in 1941, representatives from the 22 largest publications met in Chicago, where they tried to streamline and focus their energies together for the cause of Negro journalism. And the National Negro Publishers Association was born. In 1956, some, what, 14 years later, the organization changed their name to the National Newspaper Publishers Association. And today, the National Newspaper Publishers Association has more than 200 Black newspapers in the U.S. and in the Virgin Islands. And thanks to the digital age, they have been able to start BlackPressUSA.com, which enables them to provide real-time news and information to the world every single day. They've recently gotten into long-form video programming, which is how you are seeing He Said, He Said, He Said right now on your screen. So we congratulate the Black Press NNPA on 81 years of informing and representing Black Americans. We are humbled to be included in your legacy of journalism. That's awesome. Thank you. To Karen Carter-Richards, the, NN, the NNPA uh, chair, to Dr. Benjamin Chavis, Jr., and NPA president and CEO to the entire NNPA organization network and family. We thank you for holding the space for all of our voices and we hope you have the most amazing conference ever. Now to find out more about the Black Press and NPA or to register for their virtual conference, please visit virtualnnpa2021.com because we will be there next Friday we hope you will be there. The conference starts on the 23rd and goes until I think the 25th or the 26th, but more information is online. Please, please, please check it out. 
you didn't know you guys that you were part of such an amazing legacy being on the show right. did you thank you thank you thank thank you Vox and and I'm looking forward to um to attending the conference um and I'm also going to echo Vox and say thank you to the NNPA for giving he said he said he said this platform and a couple of more things before we sign off next week on Tuesday June the 22nd Another favorite show, uh, we will be on Ask Alma. But he said, he said, he said, uh, men will be on Ask Alma. So buckle your seatbelts for that. Cannot mm -hmm. wait. Ask Alma is a show where people ask questions and ask for advice. So if you've ever wanted to know what we have to say, what kind of advice we would give, you want to tune in to Ask Alma on Tuesday. Because <laughs> you, you, okay. you have never heard advice like we can get. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one more thing, on July the 22nd, we will have our first cooking show with uh, Chef Cottrell. She will be uh, doing some good eats for the for the uh, 4th of July. So we again, we won't be on next week on the 25th, but we will be back on July the 7th. So our words for the week, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, happiness doesn't depend upon who you are or what you have. It depends solely on what you think. So mm. thank you all once again for joining He Said, He Said, He Said tonight with our special co-hosts, Alvin McRae and Jason Rutman. You guys, I love you guys. I love you guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You know how much it means to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank so you both. everybody have a good weekend. I got another birthday party to plan tomorrow. <laughs> and so I will see you all uh, actually on the 2nd of July. Is that right, Vosh? July 2nd is when we come back going live with Chef Cottrell. I cannot wait. We're going to have tasty vittles. It's going to be a yummy show for your spirit, for your eyes, for your tummy. <laughs> you don't want to miss that. <laughs> you guys have a good night. Have a good weekend. Thank Take care. Be safe out there. Thank you. Appreciate Bye, everybody. it. Thank you. Bye. Bye.